Right. Well, welcome to Riverbank Community Church. I'm Pastor Travis, and uh, I'm seeing some familiar faces return. I think, is Crew back? Crew's kind of back. You're only kind of here. Next week, you're back. All right. Well, hey, welcome back to Crew. Uh, welcome to anybody who's a new face, because I'm seeing some some unfamiliar, and I'm excited to see unfamiliar faces. So, again, I'm Pastor Travis. If you have any questions, just uh, holler at me, text me, say, hey, you. I'll come over, and I'd love to talk to you about our church. Um, but also, something about our church that I want to share is we love partnerships, and we love partnerships with church planners. We love partnerships with missionaries. And so we love the, having the opportunity to have someone else speak the truth of the gospel to our church. And today we're going to get to have Tyler Sant. Did I say that right? Tyler Sant? I used to call him Tyler Saint. So Saint, Sant. They're both good. Um, we're going to have Tyler come up. And I met Tyler because we were both pastors who were working at Starbucks. And I think the best compliment I got was, you've got to meet Tyler, you guys are just alike. And if I'm just alike, if I'm just alike Tyler, that's a good day. So uh, I'm excited for that, but we're excited to have Tyler. He's gonna join us today. But Tyler, if you can come up and uh, yeah, if you guys can just listen to Tyler, give him a round of applause. Hey guys, good morning, good morning. So uh, yeah, a little story about how I met Travis. So we were in the back of our Starbucks store and uh, I, he, I was leaving as he was coming in. And have you ever met somebody who smells like Jesus? I don't know. That's the only way I can explain it. I, I walked past, past Travis, never met him before. And I'm like, that guy has been around Jesus. It's kind of like, you know, my, uh, my kids just got back from visiting my mother-in-law, and she wears a lot of perfume. And uh, I picked up my son when she came in. And I, when he came in, I said, oh, you smell like grandma. You must have been around grandma. And so I could just feel that... Travis had spent a lot of time around Jesus, and, and we started connecting from there, and uh, met Joe and Chris, and kind of got connected here with you guys. Our family has been attending since the spring, and we're really glad to be with you. It's been exactly what we need during this season. We, we've been in a very unique season for the last couple of years. I'm sure all of us had with COVID going on and everything. Um, but I'm really glad to be here with you guys today and kind of sharing a bit of our story and diving into the Word of God together. Uh, I am uh, currently the associate pastor at Blockhouse Bay Community Church in Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, sorry, I don't have a cool accent. Uh, my wife will give me a look. If I try to fake an accent, I can't, I can't do it. I just can't. And it's kind of insulting when I try, honestly. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm pastoring in New Zealand. The only problem is uh, we haven't been able to get there for two years. Uh, COVID shut down the borders to us in 2020. Uh, we had our tickets, we had our visas in hand, we had a shipping container ready to fill up, uh, and we were ready to fly out in April of 2020. And in March, uh, they said, hey, you can't come in because uh, there's this whole virus going around the world killing a whole bunch of people. It's very bad. Uh, so we actually kind of got stuck here. Um, which, is, which isn't really great, uh, but because of technology, because of Zoom, I've been able to preach most Sundays out of the month. I kind of carry that preaching weight, and I'm a little nervous for when we get there because they see me as kind of this massive Wizard of Oz kind of-esque big head on a screen, and honestly, I'm not that impressive or intimidating in person, so I think they're going to be kind of disappointed when I get up on stage that first Sunday in New Zealand. But that is the good news. The borders have finally reopened uh, as of the end of July. And so we're in the middle of applying for our visa again. And Lord willing, we're going to be getting over there uh, in the mid or late October is what we're thinking right now. 
But honestly, these last two years have been great. We've been able to fall in love with our church family over there. So we're going to step off a plane on the other side of the world into a community that loves us, into a community that, that we love. And while it was hard to kind of accept the fact that we, we didn't know when we were going to get over there, it's going to be an amazing experience when we're all together again in person. It's going to be amazing. And so uh, be praying for us as we go through that. New Zealand is kind of what we call a post-Christian nation. Uh, here in the States, about 65% of people identify as some form of Christian. Uh, in New Zealand, only about 15%. Uh, it's, it's very post-Christian, very post-modern, and, and we have a heart for incarnational ministry. We have a heart for missional ministry, where we want to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We believe the church needs to be mobilized for a mission. Every single one of us is called to be a cross-cultural missionary, bringing the gospel to people who don't have the gospel. And so that's what we're hoping to do when we get into New Zealand, and uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, we are not from this area. We are not from Lehigh Valley. My wife and I are not from Pennsylvania. She grew up in Jersey. Any other Jerseyans? Jerseyites? All right. I grew up in New York. Any? No, no New Yorkers. No love for New York. That's okay. Um, so yeah, so she grew up in Jersey. I grew up in New York. We met in college. Uh, I served as the pastor of student ministries north of Syracuse for several years. And if you want snow, I got the place for you to go. Um, it was crazy cold in the winters, lots of snow. Uh, we kind of miss that, actually. We kind of miss all the snow, everybody getting snowed in. But we got married in 2015. Got it. <laughs> we had our daughter, Grace, uh, in 2016. That was a nice little surprise. Um, and then uh, around the time she was two, we kind of felt the Lord leading us in a direction to kind of play a more active role in shaping church culture. As I shared, we're really passionate about missional, incarnational, tangible uh, ministry, being Jesus to people. And so uh, I, we moved back down to downstate New York where I pursued my master's, and we did a part-time church planting internship at my wife's old church, which is this amazing church in Mawa, New Jersey, who we absolutely love. And, um, and, and so we started doing that, and then we found out that we have child number two, Lincoln, was coming along. And that's why I started exploring more full-time ministry options, which led us to New Zealand. Uh, and so that's kind of where we're at in our lives. And, you know, it hasn't always been easy. Uh, nobody, the Bible, not Jesus, nobody said that following the Spirit's leading in your life was, is going to be an easy thing, is going to be a comfortable thing. You think about Jesus, right? Nobody followed the Spirit better than Jesus. And where did it lead him? Led him to the cross. And so if we're pursuing Jesus, if we're following Jesus, we shouldn't expect that, that we're not going to be stressed, that we're not going to be wounded. You know, there were times where Jesus had nowhere to lay his head. You know, and there have been times in our journey as we've sought to follow the spirit where we, we didn't know where we were going to live. When COVID hit, we were living on campus. The campus got sold. We thought we were going to be in New Zealand, and we had nowhere to go. But luckily, we had friends yeah, well, in Whitehall, who said, you can live with, uh, live with us while you get your feet on the ground. And that was a huge blessing. There have been times in our journeys where we didn't have money in the bank. But one thing that we have found is that no matter what's going on, no matter the stress, no matter the, the tribulations or the trials, there's nothing better than learning to depend on God. Because he is so faithful. He's been so faithful to us. And 
I hope you've seen that in your life as well. And talking about faithfulness, we've been going through this series, Extraordinary Love, where we've been diving into the book of Hosea, and we've been seeing God's amazing faithful love, haven't we? We're going to keep seeing that today. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Hosea chapter 12. Hosea chapter 12. So we've been going through the book of Hosea. And, and just a, a little reminder, the book of Hosea is divided into two main parts. Right? The first part, chapters 1 to 3, we, we learn about Hosea's marriage to Gomer and how Gomer would be unfaithful to Hosea, yet God said, take her back. Go get her. Treat her as your wife. And then the following chapters in Hosea are, are filled with what we call oracles. These are messages given through the prophet by God to Israel, pointing out their sin, warning them of impending judgment, and showing them a way, the hope of salvation. And so throughout these oracles, Hosea's marriage is brought up time and time again to demonstrate Israel's unfaithfulness to God. And so here in chapter 12, we find another one of these oracles. This time, God is looking back on Israel's historic unfaithfulness and their struggle with unfaithfulness. He's looking back on that to understand what they're currently struggling with, what they're currently going through. And so let's jump into Hosea chapter 12 this morning. But before we do, I know I cannot share with you anything that's of value apart from the Holy Spirit. I know you can't hear anything that God has to say without the Holy Spirit at work in you. So let's pray real quick and ask him to be a part of our time together in God's word. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we glorify you. We lift up your name this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to come together to praise and uh, to pray to you and to hear from you, from your word, God. And Lord, we just ask that you be at work in us, Holy Spirit. Lord, open our hearts, open our eyes, open our minds to hear what you have for us today. And would we hear you clearly and would we respond well? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So looking at Hosea chapter 12, starting in verse 1, we read this. The people of Israel feed on the wind. They chase after the east wind all day long. They pile up lies and violence. They are making an alliance with Assyria while sending olive oil to buy support from Egypt. You know, a couple years back, I became aware of a group of individuals who call themselves breatharians. Has anybody ever heard of a breatharian? <clears throat> so breatharians believe that they don't need to eat any food to survive. They don't need to drink any water to survive. All they need to do is breathe. Right? That'd be pretty... That would save a lot of money on my grocery bill, right? All they need to do is breathe. They could get all they need from simply breathing. But a lot of their leaders have predictably, predictably been shown to be frauds, but still people follow this really dangerous teaching. And, and here in this first verse of Hosea chapter 12, Hosea says that Israel is trying to feast on the wind, like the breatharians. This is not going to end well for them. They're going to end up hungrier and unsatisfied than they began. They're, they're chasing after something that will never give them what they're actually looking for. Next, he says that Israel is making an alliance with Assyria while seeking support from Egypt. Now, at this time, Assyria was terrifying. They were a terrifying military force 
that used brutal tactics when they would conquer a land. And, and, and during Hosea's lifetime, there had been several incursions of Assyrians pressing up against the Israel, Israelite border. And, and so the writing was kind of on the wall that, that, that they might be next. And so in a desperate attempt to kind of spare themselves from the, 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 the cruelty of the Assyrians, they made an alliance. They said, we'll, we'll pay you tribute. Just let us live. But, but they weren't feeling so secure. And, and so they went to Egypt, and they said, you know what? If Assyria attacks, you got our back? And he, Egypt's like, yeah, we got your back. Whether they did or not, we'll see. But they were looking to another powerful empire to defend themselves against the Assyrians. And so what I think this first verse shows us is that the people of Israel at this time when Hosea is ministering are feeling increasingly insecure. But they were foolishly looking for security in all the wrong places. And so let's see how the following verses illustrate this um, as God through Hosea begins to compare Israel to their patriarch and their namesake, Jacob. So let's look at the rest of Hosea chapter 12. Sorry, in verse 2, it says, Now the Lord is bringing charges against Judah. He's about to punish Jacob for all his deceitful ways and pay him back for all he has done. Even in the womb, Jacob struggled with his brother. When he became a man, he even fought with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel and won. He wept and pleaded for a blessing from him. There at Bethel, he met God face to face, and God spoke to him. The Lord God of heaven's armies, the Lord is his name. So now, come back to your God. Act with love and justice and always depend on him. But no, the people are like crafty merchants selling from dishonest scales. They love to cheat. Israel boasts, I am rich. I've made a fortune all by myself. No one has caught me cheating. My record is spotless. But I am the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt. And I will make you live in tents again as you do each year at the festival of shelters. I sent my prophets to warn you with many visions and parables. But the people of Gilead are worthless because of their idol worship. And in Gilgal, too, they sacrifice bulls. Their altars are lined up like the heaps of stones along the edges of a plow field. Jacob fled to the land of Aram, and there he earned a wife by tending sheep. Then by a prophet, the Lord brought Jacob's descendants out of Egypt. And by that prophet, they were protected. But the people of Israel have bitterly provoked the Lord, so their Lord will now sentence them to death in payment for their sins. Thanks, Travis and Joe, for giving me this really uplifting uh, passage to share with you today. Uh, it ends with uh, payment for death. Death is their payment for their sins, which is really nice. But what I want to see about Jacob in this verse is that he wasn't satisfied with being the second born. He tried to pull his twin brother Esau back into the womb. And later, we, if we remember the story, he would go to great lengths to steal the blessing of the firstborn from Esau to secure the greater portion of his father's possessions for himself. And years after this, just before he was to be reunited with Esau, who he had wronged so terribly, Jacob would wrestle with God, desperate to receive a blessing from him. But why? Jacob prayed. Jacob was afraid that Esau was going to kill him when they, they met again, and he, 
he, he wanted to, the security of God's blessing for that meeting. <coughs> the nation of Israel desired security. I think that's what they're longing for at this time in their history. And the Assyrians had showed that they were ruthless conquerors. And the writing was on the wall. Israel was next on the chopping block. But instead of trusting Yahweh, instead of trusting the Lord God, they, they tried to manufacture their own security by looking to false gods and lesser kings. They, they turned to the Baals and, and to other kings, the kings of Egypt, to save them. But they were powerless to save them. Verse 11 says, But the people of Gilgalad are worthless. Gilgalad, that's from Lord of the Rings. Gilead are worthless. I got, so we're moving to New Zealand, <laughs> which is where Lord of the Rings was filmed. And uh, I, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd. I could speak Elvish for you guys right now, but I won't. Because uh, I don't, I don't want to like have like an exorcism up here. But, so that's not why we're going over there. I promise that's not the only reason we're going over there. But when I flew over there, I had to hide that a little bit. I had to downplay that. So I, I'm notorious for working in a Lord of the Rings reference into my sermons every time. And so I, for when I preached over there, I had to, like, not do that to not nerd out too much. And, and we got the new series coming out in the Amazon in a couple weeks. And so Gilgalad's on my mind. But back to Jesus. Um, <laughs> verse 11. But the people of Gilead are worthless because of their idol worship. And in Gilgal, too, they sacrifice bulls. Their altars are lined up like the heaps of stone along the edges of a plow field. All right, Hosea's looking around at the situation around him, and he is absolutely disgusted. I love to hike, and where I grew up, when you go into the woods, you see all these old walls that were around the property of farms back in the day. And maybe we have them around here, too, but they were everywhere where I grew up in downstate New York. Because as the farmers plow their fields, they would just take the rocks and throw them over to the side. And then over the years, trees have grown up around them. But Hosea just sees all these altars, one after another after another, of these altars to these false gods. And this is what Israel is doing in their moment of crisis instead of turning to Yahweh. Israel turns to Baal and other false gods for their blessings. Israel, instead of turning to the Lord of Heaven's armies, turns to their previous captors, Egypt for their protection. Israel wanted security, but they were looking for it in all the wrong places. Now, when we say that we want to be secure in life, what we mean is that we want to be free from anxiety or worry because we feel safe and protected, right? We all want security in our lives, don't we, right? We, we don't want to be anxious. We don't want to worry. We want to know that us and our loved ones are safe and protected. But unfortunately, it can be really tempting to look to unsecure things for the kind of security that only God can provide. It can be really tempting to look to unsecure things for the kind of security that only God can provide. And so I want to ask you this morning, what are you looking to for your security? What are you looking to, to uh, that you're hoping will make you feel safe and protected? What do you hope will relieve your anxiety? Uh, you know, we might look to our health for our security. You know, we might say, I, won't, I wouldn't say this, I'm in good health, 
I take care of myself, I, I, I'm going to be okay. Or we might look to um, our, our jobs for our, our, or our finances for our security, saying, you know, I have a good, stable job. I have money in the bank. We're going to be just fine. You know, maybe some of us look to other relationships for our security, and we say, as long as I have so-and-so in my life, I can get through it. Sorry. But these sorts of things, right, we know from the last couple of years that these can be taken away just like that. And they can leave us feeling, when those things are gone, if we've been tr looking to them for our security, it can leave us feeling very vulnerable and very unsecure. Right? We can lose our health. You know, maybe something's going on in our bodies that's completely out of our control and that scares us. Maybe there's an issue that we've been ignoring or a diagnosis that we're feeling, fearing, and that's causing a lot of anxiety in our lives. I know for myself, one of the most vulnerable places I've ever been is waiting in a hospital bed, waiting for answers, right? You don't feel more vulnerable than that. And, I, I, you know, think about how unsecure we felt two years ago when we first went into lockdown for COVID. Do you remember when, like, stepping outside of your door was like stepping into some post-apocalyptic world? And you had to, like, suit up in a hazmat suit because nobody knew what was going on. I remember driving to Duncan. I had to resort to going to Duncan. Sorry, Duncan lovers. But I, I, me, I bleed Starbucks. I, I just can't not. Uh, but I remember having to go to Duncan. I feel like I saw like tumbleweeds going across the ground as nobody was out. It's like a ghost town. <clears throat> and so our health can fail us. You know, and along with the pandemic came a lot of job insecurity. You know, maybe some of us over the last couple of years have been laid off for our jobs. Maybe some of us have had to kind of find a, a new career. Maybe some of us are still looking for a way to make a living. It can be really scary to not know when, where your next paycheck is going to come from. We can feel really vulnerable when we don't know how we're going to provide for ourselves and our loved ones. Now, on top of all this, we've been dealing with inflation. We've been flirting with a recession. And even if you have a job, you know, maybe the dollars you have in the bank aren't worth as much. When you go to the pump, you're wondering, I have a job, but how am I going to afford to get to that job? Maybe when you go to the grocery store, you're trying to figure out, how am I going to make this stretch? How am I going to keep putting meals on the table for my family? And unfortunately and sadly, some of, we can lose the most important relationships in our lives, either due to conflicts because of stress or because of illness. I'm sure that some of us in this room have lost loved ones over the last couple of years. The temptation here is to look to un these unsecure things for the type of security that only God can provide. But if these last couple of years have shown us anything, it's how foolish that can be. We know that our health can fail us. We know that our job, we can lose our jobs. We know that our, our bank accounts can, can disappear. We, we know that the most important people in our lives can go away. But here's the good news. When we look to God for our security, he's never going to let us down. When we look to God to feel safe and protected, no matter what else is going on, we always have him and he always has us. Why don't you flip over to Isaiah chapter 43. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. 
Uh, I do have a lot of those, so I don't know how much that's worth to you, but this is one of my favorites. And though this promise was given through the prophet Isaiah to a different people in a different time, it contains such great eternal truths that we really need to hold on to this morning. So Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 to 3 says, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I want to share something with you this morning. God is not stupid. I don't know if you knew that. In fact, we call him omniscient. He knows all things. And so when he came to Abraham and said, I will make you into many nations, he knew exactly how sinful those nations would be. When he came to Moses and said, I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God, he knew how Israel would turn to other gods and other kings for their security. When Jesus shed his precious blood on the cross to redeem us from our sins, he knew our every moment of unfaithfulness, and yet he still did it. God knowingly binds himself to sinful humanity in sacred covenant because he loves us. He loves us with a never stopping, never giving up, never breaking, always and forever love, a loyal love, a secure love that will never run out on us. Isaiah 43.1 says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Folks, there is no greater security in this world than knowing that we belong to the all-powerful God of the universe. He has us. Hosea understood this, and that's why he pleaded with his fellow Israelites. He said, so now come back to your God. Act with love and justice, and always, always depend, not on yourselves, not on your money, not on politicians, not on false idols and lesser kings, but always depend on him. Depend on God. And we can depend on God for our security in this life. In the ancient Near East, where the events of our Bible take place, if you were going to go out into the wilderness, right, and you wanted to play Survivor Man or Bear Grylls, <clears throat> you wouldn't ask, what am I going to bring with me? You know, I got to bring my pocket knife. I got to bring my paracord. I got to bring my duct tape because duct tape can fix everything. You wouldn't ask, what am I going to bring with me? You would ask, who is going to come with me? Who's going to come with me? And Jesus has promised to be present with us through the Holy Spirit in us, even until the end of his age, the, the age. His presence is our security. We can also depend on God for our security in the life to come. Jesus tells us that 
he and the Father are preparing a place for us. And one day he's going to return to make everything sad come untrue. That's a Lord of the Rings quote, by the way. I didn't mean to do that. He's going to destroy evil forever. And we'll live in his presence for all eternity where there will be no more sin. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more sadness. There will be no more pain. So when the waters of difficulty wash everything we have away, when the fires of oppression come and we lose everything, the love of God remains. His love and his support for us, his children, remains. And so my question for us to meditate on this morning is this. When the storms of life come, and they will come, what are we going to look to for our security? What or who are we going to cling to for our safety, our protection, our comfort? Will we look to for our security in the disappointing things of this world? Or will we trust and depend on God to keep us and provide for us like the good father he is. This morning, I'd like for us to pray a prayer together. I think there's power in declaring truth together to God. And so I want us to pray this prayer. It's going to show up on the screen in a moment. I want us to declare this, uh, this proclamation that we are going to look to God to be our security in this life and the life to come. So would you pray this with me as we close our time in God's word this morning? Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, we declare this morning that you are so good to us and so worthy of all our praise. Forgive us, O oh God, of our unfaithfulness. Forgive us, Lord, for when we look to unsecure things for the kind of security only you can provide. When the waters rise, when the fires rage, and when the storms of life roll, help us to cling to you for our provision and protection. For we are sure of this, declare it loud, that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Help us to find our security in your love, Jesus, today and always. Amen.